Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now a message from Pastor Tim Brooks. We're in the middle of a series titled Wilderness to Blessings. We've been talking about how many saved, delivered, set free people don't live in the land of promise, in the land of being blessed. Their life is not blessed. Now, they're saved, they're set free, but they're not living blessed. Live their entire life going around and around and around the same old mountain and eventually die having lived their whole life in the wilderness, never entering into a blessed life. And we're looking at the steps of those people that were delivered, how, why, who, they were delivered, set free, yet died in the wilderness. And we're looking at the how, why, and who that went in and lived in a blessed land. And that's what we've been studying. We've seen in the Old Testament, God sent Moses and delivered his kids from slavery. He defeated Egypt's hold on them. And after seeing all the miracles that God did to deliver them, they went right up to the border of the promised land and wouldn't go in because there was just too much to overcome. There were giants in the land. There were fortified cities. And it's it's the picture of us. Jesus delivers us from the slavery of sin. We are set free. And we go right up to the blessed land, but we will not overcome our anger. We will not whip our temper. We will not deal with our laziness. We just won't deal with our irresponsibility. Now, we're right here, set free, delivered, but will not fight to go into that promised land. Just sin, the lust of the carnal nature and the flesh. And gratifying the flesh just won't whip that enemy to live in the promised land. Well, after wandering in the wilderness for some 40 years, Joshua said, okay, it's time. It's time. It's time to go in. Joshua chapter 3. I want to make sure that we see this. Verse 14. And I just fight every week standing here because I want to go back and reteach what we've already taught. And I just, we got to move on. We got, boy, last week was so important that you get that. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Verse 15, it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. All right, now when did the water back up? When did the miracle take place? And and you have to see this. When they stepped in. When they stepped in. And, And we got too many folks laying on the couch praying about a job. Get up. Start walking, go filling out applications. See, we got people laying on the couch praying and asking God to do something. Your miracle happens when you start walking. When you start walking, when you step off out in that water, you'll see God part the water. Last week in chapter 4, 
We saw the pile of rocks, the pile, the pile on the bank, and we talked about this. You have to have altars in your life. We went back and studied a bunch of the altars that Abraham built. You have to have altars in your life. And what, those, what an altar is, it's a pile of rocks. What are rocks? Hard things. It's a pile of hard things that you can point to future generations that you can go back yourself and say, right here, God did a miracle in my life. Right here, God did a miracle in my life. And see, when the enemy wants to come and, and attack me in my mind, I can go back to a pile of rocks and I say, right here, God did a miracle for me. When I was 17, when I was 22, when I was 37. See, you go back in your life and come on, everybody here can remember, even when you was a heathen, God just kept you from dying. Yeah, you should have died. And you know that you know that you know. See, you have a pile of rocks there. And even back when I was young, God had his hand on me. And I can take future generations back to that point. And that's what that pile of rocks does in our life. Last week, we saw that pile of rocks. You have to have altars. And then the next point that we saw in chapter 3, verse 16, the water in that river backed up to the town of Adam. I want to make sure everybody in our church has got that. It backed up to the town called Adam. And we've talked about this last week. That reveals what happened in John chapter 1, verse 28. John was baptizing at a place called Beth Abarah which means the place of crossing. As a matter of fact, history shows us John was baptizing right where they walked across that river. So when Jesus walked out in that water to be baptized, he was standing on that pile of rocks. And where did that river back up to? A town called Adam. What is that telling us? Our sins were forgiven all the way back to Adam in our life, and Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6 explains exactly what God is showing us in, in Judge, uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 16. I, I get caught up in this. I love this stuff. I got to move on. Y'all are holding me up. Their crossing was a great miracle, and it sent a message of the power of God. Now, we got, we got to move on. Chapter 5, verse 1. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. When all the Amorite kings of the west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived among the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear. Now, the enemy is afraid. And what I want you to know, fears paralyze when you are in fear, it paralyzes you. That's why this church preaches faith. That's why our theme is faith. We have got to live in faith, not live in fear. Because when you start living in fear, it will paralyze you. And when you're paralyzed, the enemy wipes you out. So we've got to make sure that we're living in faith, that we're not walking in fear. Now, I want you to see this. We're moving on. Chapter 5. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Okay, what? you, you got to see this. 
what was the slavery in Egypt a symbol of? Our being held captive in sin. Our being held captive in sin. And here's what I want you to know. Not only does Jesus save you, but he rolls away the shame of that abortion you had 30 years ago. He rolls away the shame of that drug addiction that you had 20 years ago. Tim, I'm just so ashamed. Okay, then you're going to have to get a hold of Jesus. Because when Jesus comes into your life, not only are you delivered, but he rolls the way, roll away the shame. Tim, I just, I had a divorce. I shouldn't have. It was horrible. And it's just haunted me my whole life. He rolls away the shame of that. And I, I'm just, if, if you're looking for a favorite verse in the Bible, it needs to be Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. That's your favorite verse in the Bible. And, and maybe you don't have any shame in your life and you've lived perfect your whole life. Well, I'm just proud for you. But for those who haven't, you might want to adopt chapter 5, verse 9 and understand not only are you saved, but he's rolled away the shame. He's rolled away the shame of your enslavement in sin. All right, we're moving on. I, I told myself before I came out here, move on. Just keep moving on. Don't, don't go hung up. Just keep moving on. Remember, God had fed them in the wilderness. Manna from heaven. Okay, everybody remember that. It was a daily miraculous miracle. It was a miracle that they survived. They were fed manna from heaven, supernatural miracle. All right, chapter 5, I want everybody looking at this. Joshua chapter 5, verse 11. The very, okay, the very next day, they begin to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. Verse 12, no manna appeared on the day they first ate crops from the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. You, you got to see this. Man, I, I just, I, this is, I, I just get goosebumps studying the Old Testament because it so reveals our life. God's plan is for you and I to live in a blessed land where you never need a miracle again. Now listen to me. Thank God for miracles. I mean, thank the Lord. How many are grateful for miracles? How many are grateful for the miraculous hand of God in your life? But God's plan is not to have miracles every day in your life. God's plan is for you to live in the blessed land and eating the harvest of a blessed life. See, I want to live in a position that I never need another financial miracle in my life ever again. Are you in? I, I don't want to live, pray, oh God, I just, this month, God, I just, now this month, God, and we just live from financial miracle to the financial miracle. To, God wants you living a life that you'll never need a financial miracle. You are eating from the land. You're living in a blessed land. You know, I want to get to the place I never need a marriage miracle. 
oh, our marriage is just, oh, Tim, pray for us. We need a miracle in our marriage. I want to get to the place where I never need a miracle. I got a great marriage. See, that's God's plan for us is not to live on a miracle of manna every day, but where, man, we're just eating of the bountiful, blessed life that we've been given. And this is what this series is all about. This is what this series is all about. Moving our life from the wilderness into the land flowing with milk and honey. Moving our life from the wilderness into a life of blessings. Moving our life from just every day needing a miracle to a place where we are blessed coming in, blessed going out, and whatever we put our hand to prospers. That's the blessed life that God has for his kids. There's just so much to see here in the Old Testament. As God is teaching us preparing his people to live in a life in the new covenant, and we would not know what Jesus did for us. We wouldn't know that he forgave sins all the way back to Adam. See, we wouldn't know that we're supposed to live blessed, not just going around the same old mountain. We wouldn't know that we're supposed to live in a land flowing with milk and honey had we not studied Life under the old covenant where the daily life of his people reveals the life that his people now under the new covenant are supposed to live. Chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy. Whoa, let's don't read this too fast. There's a whole lot to look at. There's some big lessons for us right here. God is with you. God is with you in your daily battles as we battle those things that are keeping us from living in the promised land. You're not fighting this fight alone. God is with you. The thing I want you to see is you're at his command. He's not at your command. Joshua says, I'm at your command. I, God, I'm here to serve you. See, we, we think God's here to serve us. We're here to serve him. God, I am under your command. What would you have me to do? Okay, where is Joshua? It's open book test. Answers in verse 13. Okay, where is Joshua? He is near the town of Jericho. Okay, where's Jericho? Folks, we're in enemy territory. Now think about this. They've crossed over. They're in the middle of enemy territory. Joshua's not in church. He's in the middle of enemy territory. Verse 15, take shoes off. You're on holy ground. Oh. Makes chill bumps all over me. Holy ground isn't in here when we got the lights down in the haze machine going into worship playing. 
Holy ground is when you're facing the biggest battle of your life. When you are facing the biggest battle of your life, you need to know you're standing on holy ground. I knew I was going to lose it right here. Church, this is something. God wants you to know. God wants you to know he is with you. He is with you in battle and in the heat You're staring at these walls. You're staring at this fortified city. You're staring at these people that are going to descend on you and devour you. And God says, take shoes off. You're on holy ground. Now, I don't know if that does do something for you. You can't be helped. You you can't overcome in life without fighting. You, You can't have the crown without the conflict. You're in a battle, and that's where holy ground is. And you need to know God has not put you out here in life to fight these difficult battles all alone. He's with you, and I'm under his command, and I'm following you. This is a 200-year-old story. And wow, is it true today. A pastor was attending a court hearing to protest the building of a tavern near his church and the public school. The tavern lawyers said, I'm surprised to see you here, Reverend. As a shepherd, you should be out tending the sheep. The pastor said, yes, you're absolutely right. But today, I'm here fighting the wolf. You know, too often the Christian mindset is just helping out the needy and just loving people without seeing we got a wolf to fight. We've got an enemy that we're going to have to fight. And so the church is so today lost the concept of fighting, of guarding the faith, of fighting for a godlike life, of fighting for godliness in our communities, in our streets, in our nation. We are fighting to be one nation in all of this world that's under God. There's a lot of nations and there's a lot of other religions out there. But in all of the world, this is one nation that's under God. And we're fighting the wolf to keep it that way. And right now, Paul and I just had a conversation today. If you've been in church the last several Sundays, it's been hard. It's been some tough sermons. Some of it's tough to swallow. I walked up to Jan here a few weeks ago, and he goes, well, that finished off a few people today, I'm sure. I mean, that was my greeting from Jan. Well, pastor, you finished off a few people today. I mean, we've, we've had some hard sermons. Church, we're fighting the wolf here. We're fighting the wolf that's surrounding this place, and we're not going to sit here just loving everybody and let the wolf steal our kids. He's not going to steal our interns. He's not going to steal our homes. He's not going to steal our marriages. He's not going to steal our community. This is a great community to live in. This is a great place to raise our kids. This is a great community for us to be here our crime rate where we live the seasons that we have here this is a great people are moving from all over the united states because this is a great place to live and we're going to fight the wolf 
we're going to fight the wolf and this church is going to lead the way. So you can get ready for some really hard sermons because we're fighting the wolf. I can't wait to preach a God loves you message. But right now we got a wolf trying to eat somebody and I got to talk about that wolf. Just a few passages that I want you to see. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Guard yourself in God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you and, I, and leave not sparing the flock. Not here. You, you're not getting this flock. See, there's a vicious wolf that wants to come in here, and he's not going to spare the flock. Not here. Not here. Not with our marriages. Not with our homes. Not with our community. Not here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are human. I get that. But we wage war. As, we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We're going to destroy every obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We're going to keep we're, th that obstacle that wants to keep our young people from knowing God, oh, there's many ways to heaven. No, there's one. We talked about this last week. There's only one key that'll open that door. And that's not mean, that's not intolerant, and that's not insensitive. If you want to open that door, there's one key. And we're not going to let this mindset come in and rob our flock. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We got to get dressed for battle. Church, here's what I want you to know. God is perpetually at war with sin. He is perpetually at war with sin. You know, and we, we read about God sending his army in and wipe out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jezebites. And we read every man, every woman, every child. And we read, whoo, whoo, that's, that's hard to swallow. Go, go wipe them out. I mean, whoo, that's hard in this day to swallow that. Never think that these were helpless, wonderful, innocent people that God wiped out. God had endured their evil, their wickedness for over 400 years. God had endured their wickedness. The wickedness of the Canaanites had lasted for over 400 years, and God was so merciful, giving them a chance to repent. Cannibals eating their own children, sacrificing their own children to the god Moloch. I mean, taking their children out here and sacrificing them. The idolatry, their lifestyle is more, it, it's, it's more graphic and wicked than I really want to talk about. And I want you to know, they had been given the same opportunity as Rahab had. She was right there. 
And they had been given the same opportunity that Rahab to respond to what they had heard about God and about the miracles and about the parting of the sea. And about See, and Rahab said, I've heard. We've all heard. We have all heard about your God. And Rahab got on the right team. And all those other people in that town out in their wickedness. God gave them every opportunity to turn around. Every opportunity. God will not. Go, go to Psalms chapter 106. I mean, I, I'm into this. I just will talk about it. Psalms chapter 106. It, I want you to know God will not. Write this down. God does not. And God never has compromised with sin. I've read Psalms chapter 106, verse 34. Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land as the Lord had commanded them. Instead, they mingled among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. They worshiped their idols, which led to their downfall. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, by sacrificing them to the idols of Cana. They polluted the land with murder. They defiled themselves by their evil deeds, and their love of idols was adultery in the Lord's sight. That's why the Lord's anger burned against his people. He abhorred his own special possession. He handed them over to pagan nations, and they were ruled by those who hated them. Their enemies crushed them and brought them under their cruel power again and again. He rescued them, but they chose to rebel against him. And they were finally destroyed by their sin. Even so, he pitied them in their distress and listened to their cries. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his unfailing love. He even caused their captors to treat them with kindness. Save us, O Lord our God. Gather us back from among the nations so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen and praise the Lord. The book of Judges would not even be in the Bible if the nation of Israel had done what God said. I'm not going to read the whole book of Judges, but you've got to look at this. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, verse 11. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord their God and their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods and worshiped gods of the people around them. They angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord, served Baal and the images of Asherah. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated. The Lord raised up judges to rescue them. And you read on. One after the next. One, God would raise up a judge. They would repent and turn and get right with God. Then they'd go right back and follow their sin nature. They would repent and get back right with God. See, I, I've read this. And, and I understand that God uses other nations to bring judgment on other nations. I, I, and, and I... I read this in church, I, just me, I'm just telling you where I am. I never want God burning with anger against me because of my lifestyle. Now, I don't care how fun it is. 
I don't care how much your flesh is gratified. I don't care how much you're lured into it. I don't want to live with God's anger burning against me. Oh, we've got to move on. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. The conquest of Jericho. Verse 1 through verse 20. I'm not going to take the time to read all 20 verses. The conquest of Jericho. Y'all know the story? Archaeologists' digs and discovery reveal that the walls of Jericho were 12 feet thick, 20 to 30 feet high, and soldiers drove their chariots around the top. No matter how strong the wall is, we find out God's stronger. Y'all know the story? They marched around, they marched around, they marched around, and then the walls went straight down, and the archaeology has discovered that. I'll never forget being in a liberal college religion class who his mission was to disprove the Bible. I'll never forget the study of of Joshua chapter 6 when he read that story and smirked, smoking his pipe in our college classroom and said, it was no miracle at all. We have now discovered there was a fault under Jericho. There's a fault line. And as that many people marched in unison around that wall, it wasn't a miracle. They set up an earthquake that caused those walls to fall. (laughs) And and I... Are you a complete idiot? Did they know any of that? That you just explained how God did the miracle. Are you kidding me? Anyway, don't get me started on that. All I can tell you is they didn't know nothing about a fault. They didn't know anything. God said, y'all walk around this city. And you walk around this city. And then you yell. And those walls came down. As we read... Joshua chapter 6. The question that we've got to ask our own self is you're doing your Bible study, you're sitting there drinking your coffee, and you read Joshua chapter 6. What you ask yourself is, what is my Jericho? What, What is my Jericho? What is the walled city in my life that is keeping me from being a an inhabitant? Of the blessed life. What's your walled Jericho? Abuse in your childhood? That's a walled Jericho. And you can't live blessed because you, well, Tim, you don't know what happened to me when I was 9, 10, and 11. See, it's a walled, fortified city that's keeping you from living blessed. What was it? You were neglected. Maybe you were put up for adoption. Maybe you rejected. Did you have a financial collapse in your business that still haunts you? Was it an immorality that you you engaged in that still haunts you? What stands between you and God's promise? What stands between you and God's promise? Chapter 6, verse 2. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Before you settle in to, we can't, 
their wool, their cities are fortified, giants are there. I just can't live in that blessed life. Before you throw up your hands and say, well, Tim, you don't know what happened to me years ago. Before you do that, I want you to know God has given you the promised land. God has given. But Tim, see, I was, well, my parents didn't want me. Well, Tim, I was a girl and my parents really wanted a boy. See, before you tell me how thick the walls of Jericho are, here's what I want you to know. God's given this city to you. God's given you a blessed life. Now, Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. The I have given you. That goes right along with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us every spiritual blessing. Look at the past tense. You have been given every spiritual blessing. Now, go get it. See, now go fight for it. See, God says, you have been blessed. Now, you're going to have to go get it. See, yeah, God said I've been blessed, but Tim, look, you're going to have to whip Jericho. You're going to have to defeat this. What was very clear? I've given you Jericho. How was not? How's this going to work? How's this going to work? You read chapter 6, verse 3, 4, and 5. We're going to march totally defenseless. We're going to patiently march. We're going to silently march. We're going to united march, and we're going to march with expectancy. And then in chapter 6, verse 20, the walls fell. Well, I got all excited when I read chapter, uh, verse 20. The walls fell. Oops. Except you read on 20 and 21. The battle wasn't over. It just began. See, whoo, the walls fell in my life. Okay, now grab your sword. You got to dive in here and get it. Oh, man, I've been delivered from alcohol. Now, don't ever touch another drop to your mouth again. See, whoa, I've been delivered from drugs. Now, don't ever go by the drug house again. Get away from us. See, whoa, I've been delivered. Okay, now you're going to have to grab your sword. See, when the walls fell, you read chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. When the walls fell, the battle wasn't over. It had just begun. We have to destroy the things in our life that are keeping us from living happy. Now, let's go on in verse 24, burn the city, burn Jericho. Now, remember the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah, the picture of God's judgment on wickedness. Burn it, burn it. You know, there are some things in your life that need to be burned, and the significance of that is when you burn that, you can't go back to it. You burn it. Come on, some of you have burnt some things in your life. I, I, I burnt that. I burnt that drug addiction. I burnt that lifestyle. And that's not available for me to move back in. See, it's important that God said, burn it to the ground. Because I don't want you moving back in there and back entering into that lifestyle. Deuteronomy eleven eleven. Moses described the promised land as a land of hills and valleys. A description in, uh, of the geographical aspect of our Christian life. Hills and valleys, hills and valleys. What is clear, the promises, the blessings of God belong to us. 
and a life of faith is how we have to live. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now, get a sword and you start marching. I'm not going to let my anger... Well, you, our anger right now over this administration, our anger right now over what our government's doing, our anger right now on the direction of the world, that can't steal your joy. That can't steal your happiness. That can't steal the blessed life that we're called to live. Absolutely, I'm not happy with it, but I'm going to live happy. Absolutely, I'm not happy with what's going on, but here's what you can know. I'm going to be happy tomorrow. I'm going to be happy tomorrow, I'm going to be blessed tomorrow, and I'm going to have a great day, and I'm going to take out my sword, and I'm going to whip everything in my life that's going to keep me from being in peace. The example that I always use about us living in faith. When one of my daughters, while living at home, came to me on Monday and said, Dad, I don't have a dress to wear to the banquet Saturday night. I say, Friday, after school, I will take you to town and get you one. Here's what she does. She doesn't come to me Tuesday crying, I don't have a dress. She doesn't come to me on Wednesday crying, I don't have a dress. She doesn't come to me on Thursday crying about this dress. See, on Monday, she doesn't have a dress. Tuesday, she doesn't have a dress. Wednesday, she doesn't have a dress. Thursday, she doesn't have a dress. But she lives happy all week. She lives happy all week knowing that Friday is on its way and Daddy is going to get me a dress. You can live happy not having it yet, but you can know it's on your way. I want you to move your life from living in the wilderness going around a mountain into living a blessed, prosperous, happy life. Y'all stand. Lord, tonight we're just, we're, we're grateful to you as you're explaining our life and the life that you have given us that we live in your land. Blessed, blessed, full of joy, full of joy that our life is a testimony to your hand and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.